And everyone's phones are silenced, right? Nope. Oh, okay. no. I turned mine way up for this. I, I turned up my volume. But well, I'll, I mean, except okay. for George's, obviously, because George's, is, George's phone is like the soundtrack. Yeah, for, George's for our phone. phone should be on. <laughs> Let me make sure my phone is off. Okay. Oh, my God. Three. You know who's dancing, too. I was dancing. It's true. I was dancing. Uh, there was a lot of dancing. That's Cascada. I was dancing on the inside. <laughs> wow. Whoa, Georgia. That was like wow. that was like a whole different side of Georgia Dow. She's like, I was dancing on the inside. <laughs> like, like, it, was like, it sounds so much oh creepier. Oh, my God. Brie really got the hint of murder in your voice when she said it that way. No one knows the true Georgia Dow. We've been over this. Georgia, we'll never know her. Georgia, she cannot be known. Really? She's a reflection really? of a reflection. I'm saying Georgia Dow is a house of mirrors. Can we start the show? Okay, Steve won't start the show. So hi there, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Isometric. Uh, I am your host, Brianna, Brianna Wu. Uh, I'm head of development at Giant Space Cat. And I'm, share, I, I'm also here today with Steve. How are you doing, Steve? I, I am fantastic. <laughs> I, would like, um, I would like to announce my triumph uh, right now. You feel oh. triumphant? I think okay. we really need to recognize how influential Isometric really is, that Due to our incessant discussion of Tron for the last month, we have managed to get Disney to make Tron three. Oh yeah! I just want to, and I just want everyone to acknowledge how influential we are in in making major motion pictures happen. Do you think Tron will be in isometric, like Tron three? It will be shot in isometric. That oh, that would be, be awesome! awesome. Yeah. Or, yeah, or maybe just an isometric like tie-in game. Neon-covered uh... panda. <laughs> Maddie, Maddie's so angry with me right now. Let's just Steve, can I can I do the starting of the show? Yeah, okay, so let's reboot and you start out you start the show, Georgia. Can go I start for the it. show this time? We'll give Steve a little break. Okay, go ahead. Okay, okay, great. Okay, here I go. <clears throat> okay. In the gaming podcast system, gaming based offenses are considered especially heinous. In the isometric fear, the dedicated gamers who in investigate these oh vicious God. gaming felony felonies are the members of an elite squad. I known hate as this. I hate that this is happening. Isometric elite forces. And these what? are their stories. Why is this happening to me? Oh, my God. I don't like Tron. I don't like SVU. I'm on the wrong show. I, I don't know any of you. I have to go. I have to go. I haven't even been introduced. I think that I think what's important is that I take the show back and and introduce uh, assistant games editor at Pace Magazine, Maddie Myers. How are you doing, Maddie? Hello, Steven. <laughs> oh, you know, wow. You know wow. what? I actually thought Tron was okay, but so many freaking people have showed up and talked to me about how much they like Tron and shamed me for not liking Tron enough that now I like Tron less. That's been the result. <laughs> I now like Tron less than ever before. And the more people who talk to me about Tron, the less I like it. That's all I'll say. I, I'm sorry that I did that well, to you, now Maddie. You know I apologize. Now you know how the makers of um, Hotline Miami 2 felt, Maddie. <laughs> Spoilers for the rest of this show. <laughs> That was All a right. cold. Wait, I just have to say it before we get to your 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 
burning review. Did we introduce Georgia or did she just like introduce herself? We didn't even say her name. Georgia's also on this show. We'll introduce anyway. Georgia in a second. Go ahead, Brie. No, no, no. Okay. I was just going to say like there is there is a beautiful art of a well-written review, but I love a review that is just so cold and just like takes the game and goes, this is your game, and then just throws it on the ground. And that's what Mandy Myers did this week to Hotline Miami, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't know what the law and order sound effect signifies. <laughs> I assume it means that I murdered Hotline Miami 2. I think that means that you sent Hotline Miami 2 to game review jail is what it oh, means. Oh, maybe. That was your statement. It's like throwing down the mic. Maybe both. Like, maybe I discovered Hotline Miami 2 in the act of murder, and then I cracked the case, and then I sent them to jail. I did all of it. I did friggin' all of it. I'm a detective <laughs> and a fighter. And a video game journalist. So who's this Georgia person? Yeah, so we <laughs> so we have we have a senior editor from imore.com, psychotherapist, and uh, Law and Order SVU uh, evangelist Georgia Dow. How you doing, Georgia? I'm, Georgia I'm doesn't actually speak. speak anymore. She speaks through her iPhone, playing exactly. into her microphone. Exactly, it's like a, a an audio emoji. Wow. No, I she's like, like the she's like the Breaking Bad dude in a wheelchair. Tapping, I got my bell. Sound right. Oh, I got Now I have to find that sound effect. You see what you did, Bree? That's going to be George. We've lost Georgia for the next half hour. Do now. you think we could communicate with Georgia's husband before the show starts and ask him to take away her iPhone? <laughs> do you think we could? Do you think we Are could we do like that? Are we assuming that he has any bearing over what she does? I feel like that's not. I'm pretty sure that's just going to end in bruises and not on Georgia. Yeah, I don't, I don't. <laughs> it's not going to well, end well. I don't yeah. know if we, we learned at PAX that Georgia and Anthony have like their own, you know, woo-esque marital games. I, I learned a lot from everyone <laughs> at PAX about marriage and competition. We're trying to prep you. We're trying to love, prepare you. you know, true love. We're just getting ready. It's, uh, I have to say, going to PAX was a huge experience. It was I didn't. Think, I didn't think it was going to be that large. Oh, yeah. really? What did you really, think? So I walked in. I thought it was like you know a small gaming conference Love. with you know just a few people. So no. I, I I I get there. It took an hour and a half to to get from five miles from hotel. And so I get there, and I'm like, it's huge, and people are packed solid. And then I had no way to find. Where supposed to go i was so overwhelmed i was so overwhelmed And you had a panel like first thing right how did you find it i really i had to ask everyone where they're going and i've realized no one cared where i was going <laughs> that's um, pretty much that pretty much explains packs <laughs> in a nutshell i wanted to i didn't know where i was going and no one cared and everyone well, told me to go a different way that's really not true steve zach <laughs> cared and without zach we wouldn't have found anything that's true that didn't answer any of my texts it was horrible <laughs> oh i did you text him no that i didn't happen? actually okay that okay. might be why he didn't answer uh-huh. um and uh <laughs> then i look on this the the wall so they have this this you know this you are here and, and there's a huge map uh-huh but thank god someone says the map is backwards yeah facing the map 
north is south and south is north. So this was supposed to go, instead of on the east side, it was supposed to go on the west side map, and they just stuck it there and didn't care. And That's so, the first puzzle that you need to solve to, in order to be able to get through the, <laughs> to the next level of paths. Right, see. right. There, so you never I'm, get to the next level. It's like an endless runner. Like, you, you never complete it. <laughs> All you do is fail repeatedly. Yeah, it's a roguelike. Right, right. It was so that was that was amazing. Everyone was really nice, though. I have to say that the people at PAX were really, really sweet. The, doing the panel was fabulous, and uh, mm-hmm. everyone was really nice when I actually arrived there. Yeah, I, I guess I have to say, like this, I've gone as an attendee every single year, and this year felt like crushing in a way like physically crushing in like a way that it hasn't felt in like a few years in, in any of the other years that I've been there like it's always been crowded but it's always kind of felt like the convention center still could handle it and this is the first year where I felt like the building can handle it but like the the whole infrastructure of everything around it other than the actual physical space was just too overcrowded by the number of people like the parking situation was ridiculous like Mm -hmm. on saturday i got there at 9 15 in the morning and the lot was already full you had to wait like an hour in line to get anything to eat at any of the stands like there was there were lines just to wait in lines and it just seems like to spend all that money and spend all that time just waiting in line to do anything really made me start questioning for the first time like in the in the six years that i've gone now like whether i want to go next year and i'm Right now, I'm kind of leaning towards not. Like, I mean, speaking on the panels was a huge bucket list thing for me, and it it was amazing. And, like, all the people that I got to meet were amazing. But other than the actual people who were there, like, the actual event was was kind of disappointing in how overwhelmingly crowded it was and how, like, nothing seemed to be able to deal with that. Hmm. You know what I mean? I do, Steve. I do. Do you recall on this very show not so long ago when I (laughs) foresaw that this would occur? I looked into my crystal ball and I was like, Steve, there will be long lines for game demos that last two minutes and are emotionally unfulfilling. (laughs) And you will feel lost and sad and it will be crowded. I think I said all of that. You didn't say it in that voice. If you'd said it in that voice, I would have listened. my warning. Mortal, and you were disappointed. That's I think you do need to cosplay as like a psychic next <laughs> next should, time. I should cosplay as an old woman so that no one at PAX tries to talk to me. <laughs> That's my plan for next year. No, not really. It's the it's the it's the antisocial cosplay. Yeah, I, no, or it's like a spooky cosplay. I note to self: do spookier cosplays, fewer sexy cosplays, more spooky cosplays. I think I can manage that. But um. Yeah, I expected it to be really crowded, so I wasn't shocked by it, but I still don't like it. (laughs) I hate it every time. I mean, I had had an experience that, you know, somewhat worse than having to wait in line for an hour or deal with the crowd. Definitely. Um, Yeah, I just want to hit it head on in our show. Um, You know, basically, so... I was really torn about going to PAX this year at all with the death threats um, that I've had and the, the endless harassment. But, you know, I figured I made a professional commitment and I was going to follow through on it. So on Saturday, you know, I did the isometric panel. Um, and on Saturday morning, I got to the expo hall about 12 uh, because I, I'd agreed to do a documentary. Um 
So I'm out there on the Sky Bridge shooting um, a segment that was about 10 minutes long, and then they shot about 10 minutes of me, um, you know, out on the show floor. And, you know, one of the things that's happened in my life is when, you know, I'm at a game event like that, like people run up to me, ask for selfies, talk to me, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I just did that, and then I was feeling really kind of on edge. Uh, and then I went out to dinner with Maddie and Amanda and Catherine Cross and Kim Swift and Frank. Uh, I had a lovely time. And I looked out at my phone, and people were talking about Pax Enforcer stalking me. And I'm like, oh, God, this is just some more nonsense of people yelling on the Internet. Um, and I start looking at it, and no, it's not a joke. Um, what happened was a, a Pax Enforcer, someone you know entrusted to make people feel safe, at PAX um, is basically hanging out in the middle of my documentary shoot uh, and taking photos of me, you know, without my permission. Um, and then he's retweeting some jokes about, um, you know, how he should have gone in and been, you know, have gone in for the kill and stabbed me and he would have been the chosen one. And um, then, like, he's posting pictures of where he was one of the people that came up next to me. And immediately after threatening to do that is basically taking selfies with me. Um, so, you know, I obviously called PAC security immediately. Um, I can say on the show, like, they did throw him out. They stripped him of his PAC's enforcer badge, his okay. shirt. And um, I can also tell you Boston police went through the convention hall again to make sure he had not snuck back in. Mm. Um, but this was... This was just the straw that broke the camel's back for me. And, um, you know, I, I pretty much just left the convention immediately and didn't come back on Saturday because of that. So um, this is a really crappy con for me. Um, and I don't think it was really Pax's fault, but, you know, it's it's one thing to get random people joking about this. It's another to get Pax enforcers joking about this. Mm -hmm. It just... It made the entire event feel tremendously unsafe for me. And, you know, if the person that did that is listening to this, like, I want you to know you ruined my packs. And I don't appreciate it. And I think you owe me an apology. And I think you owe my team an apology, too. So I'm just going to say that. Do you really not think that it's PAX's fault? Because I, my reaction to that was that I feel like they don't have any way of telling what credentials enforcers have and I know they don't because I've known other enforcers who were misogynists mm -hmm. and I like I've met enforcers who like had those views I don't I don't know if any of them were Gamergate specifically but like I definitely know sexist guys who are enforcers there and some enforcers who are really great but there's no they'll let anybody do it it's a volunteer position and and this year I heard that they were actually starting to pay people for the job but again I really don't know if they do any type of background check or if they like try to look at people's Twitters and be like, hey, like what kind of Internet presence does this person have? Are they part of any hate groups that we should right. know about? Yeah. Like I kind of feel like PAX should step up that type of investigating. I, I guess I feel like for me personally, PAX, you know, dispatched like two two very qualified security people for me. So um, I, I guess I 
you know, it's important to me to be accurate. And I honestly don't know enough about their hiring procedures for that to comment on it. Um, I will say I think PAX is a large show. And um, I think maybe it's possible it's grown to the point where they need to get, you know, professional security involved with that. But, yeah, that's their call. Um, I can say um, I don't hold any anger at PAX myself. Like, they handled the situation, and they went out of their way to, you know, basically make me feel safe there. Um, and I also think, like, this strange new hyper-politicized world of gaming is something we're all trying to figure out, um, packs along with us. So um, yeah. I don't I don't expect them to bat a thousand right out, the get, out of the gate. So, but, but even so, like, they, especially knowing, and I, I know that everything that happened was in the last couple of weeks before the show, but... Knowing what's been happening over the last few months, like mm-hmm. they really had a responsibility to step up security in a big way, and they knew that they did. And I, I mean, I'll say that I know you. You may not be able to say this, but I, I will. Um, I mean, I was having a conversation at work like two days before the show, and at work, I don't talk about like nobody knows that I do the podcast. I just don't talk about it because it's my own time and whatever. But um, we the embarrass per- him. Yeah, yeah so, we're really you know, embarrassing. I, I really, I wouldn't be able to go into a meeting with pictures of the panda hat, you know, on on the internet. Fair. Why not? Fair. Why not, Steve? <laughs> I should just go into meetings with the panda hat on. That would definitely throw people off. Um, but but so I was having a me, uh, uh, you know, I was in a meeting with somebody who I work with, and and she says to me, you know, just be careful at that conference that you're going to over the weekend because mm. I heard on the radio that they're they're having to have a lot of extra security because there's been threats and you know, a lot of, a lot of nasty stuff and I want you to be safe. And it's like, I've never, that's the perception of people who are not in our circles is that PAX is unsafe because of the people who are attending PAX. And that's like a huge negative on, you know, the hobby that we all enjoy because the one, you know, event that represents our hobby is now seen as someplace that is potentially Dangerous. dangerous. And that's, and I feel like they really have to make a big show to correct that because it's their show that, you know, is representing gaming to the outside world, especially in Boston. I think that they need to, and I don't know, Brie, if you know uh, what happened to the person, but I think that they need to try to start prosecuting people that give off idle death threats and try to make other people feel unsafe. Yeah. Well, I had a um, a pretty explosive op-ed in the Daily Dot on that, that situation today with some spectacular, like, information about my case. I'll repeat it right here on the show for our listeners. Guys, um, the day after I had that really viral death threat back in, what was it, October? Um, that happened on a Friday. Um Saturday morning, I got a call from someone who I will describe as extremely, extremely, extremely credible, extremely credible, Um, that basically gave me the person's name, gave me all kinds of information about them, like employers, background, all kinds of stuff about them, um, because they were terrified of them. They didn't like the, the, the threats that they were giving. They'd seen other very disturbing activity, and they wanted law enforcement involved. Um, this was the day after it happened, and that was six months ago. Um, and the FBI has done jack on my case so far that I've seen. Um, so, you know, I think for this particular enforcer, I think he was having a, a what he felt was a joke 
And I don't think he really understands the consequences of his actions. Uh, if I've learned anything interacting with gamer gators is that they are men with very low amounts of empathy. Um, but I think with some of these other cases, um, you know, as I made public today, I've got names, documentation, evidence on plenty of people, and I'm just waiting for the FBI to do something. So, Georgia, I strongly agree with you mm -hmm. that, you know, we need arrests made. And it's just kind of ridiculous at this yeah. point. Exactly, because yeah. yeah. that's what people will listen to is when there's actually, they're held they're actually held accountable and fully accountable for their actions. Yep. Yeah. And that's what we said when we, even before any of that happened, when we were first talking about Gamergate, that's what we were talking about. And, you know, nothing, nothing's happened. So. And I'm so sad, Brie, because like the panel, when we did the isometric panel, that was amazing. And I'm so sorry that that ruined all of your PAX experience because you were brilliantly funny. Um, and I, I don't know, you guys are just such... They're just so great and so much fun to do the panel with. I have to say that I was really excited to do the panel before I got there. Um, and it lived up to those expectations. And I think there's very few things in life that live up to the expectations. Uh, Maddie, oh. you were you spoke so well and you looked so fabulous in your um, <laughs> Samus costume. There, There is a video if people are merely listening yeah. and they're I, curious. That you have to watch the video. I will link the video. In the, I linked the video in last week's show notes. I will link the video again to. in this Steve week's show notes. Steve is wearing a panda hat in Steve the video. Steve actually put on the ha panda hat <laughs> and wore it for the whole panel. And I like Steve, you have you're the best sport. You are like you are such a great sport. And Bree, you came up with this fabulous interactive um <laughs> stuffy game. Monster Mania. Monster Monster Mania, which was hilarious. Hilarious. The funniest part though is that after when I I, I body at some point my crazy mind, I'm body slamming up I don't know what <laughs> It was, it was great. A, it was perfect. Right. Uh, yeah. I yeah. body slammed like like Breeze plushy and I hurt my elbow. <laughs> it's still it's actually oh still a little bit bruised. And it was worth it for the It was joke, so though. worth it. But the funniest part is that so I've been like, oh my elbow hurts. And I, I work with doctors all day. And so I'm like, oh, they're like, oh, what's wrong with your elbow? And I'm like, oh, you know, I think I bruised it. And they said, Well, how did it how did happen? <laughs> and now I'm pausing because I'm like <laughs> Like, what do you, I was body slamming a plushie at a panel. <laughs> like, there's no way you can ever do that justice without. You should have just showed them the video. Right. Like, here, yeah, this is how I did it. Been. Yeah. <laughs> Why so is that I, man wearing a panda hat? Why wouldn't he be wearing a panda hat? That was normal. So I, I couldn't even, I had to, I just said, well, I think I hit it against the floor, which is true. Mm -hmm. But there was a plushie. And they were like, why would your elbow be near the floor? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh. So it was it was an absolute blast. Brie, you want to talk about something happier and talk about your, your new 3DS that you got? Yeah. 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 So um, basically, uh, you know, we're we're about to go on a two week vacation, which is more than deserved. <laughs> I think you guys yeah. could tell I was a little wiped out after uh, the isometric panel. So uh, what I wanted to do is my 3DS, again, I appreciate the isometric listener that sold it to me, um, but it was, it's, it's shot. It's, the digitizer doesn't work. And the most annoying thing is the battery just randomly shorts out and dies, even though I've replaced it twice. Um, so the, it's, it's not functioning. So I've been waiting for the new 3DS to come out and um, I finally bought one. And I want to tell you guys, it's a, it's a really surprisingly well made piece of hardware um Why something surprising I, surprising because nintendo ships toys for children 
Why did you just say a shot? And, right, 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 and me, right, and me. Right. So, well, I am a child, so you know it's okay. No, no, no. I mean, it's uh, they, no, I no, I know what you mean. And, and you and you've you've been very vocal about the build quality of the 3ds on the show before. I, I, I think too. it sucks. Yeah, Do you know, I think the Wii, the Wii, the Wii controller, Wii U controller sucks. Um, you know, like it's a good system. The Wii U is probably my favorite system, but the build quality is very low. Um, you know, for the the handhelds, I thought the 3ds um, XL, the last gen of it, was. Very, very cheap feeling. Um, what I like about this device is it feels, it feels like something that's comparable to this, the, the PlayStation Vita. It's, it's not quite that well made, but it's, it's a well made device. Um, and the thinness of it, I, I really appreciate like the, the, just the, the panel quality and the screen quality. It doesn't like, if you flex it, it doesn't like creak and crackle. Like it's, it's really solid and well-made. Um, you know, so talking like going down all the new features, the, uh, the new 3DS screen, it works very, very well if you're not wearing glasses. So, um, if I'm wearing contacts, it works pretty much flawlessly now. Um, you do get a little bit of ghost artifacting. Like, do you know that feeling when it gets a little mm-hmm. misaligned if you bring it like closer than 12 inches to your face? Mm. And sometimes when I play, I tend to like bring it closer as opposed to far away. Um, but if you keep it like that correct distance and your glasses are off, it works pretty much flawlessly. Um, it's actually a very immersive feature when it works. Um, so that's, that's a big upgrade. If you do wear glasses, um, my experience with it is it, 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 it gets really quirky then. Mm. Um, it tends to unsettle for a frame or two and then lock back on. Um, you know, my glasses aren't particularly thick um, or large, um, so that, that kind of surprises me. But I, I think for a lot of people, the 3DS is undoubtedly, like the 3D screen on it is a really big upgrade. Um, the C-Stick I was, I was worried about because um, when you calibrate it, when you go to the edges of it, you can like watch the, the, it, it jumping around. So it didn't seem very precise. But uh, just before the show recorded, I started trying to play uh, Majora's Mask with it. Um, it works pretty much flawlessly for that to the point where I don't think I could go back to playing a non-new 3DS for that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that works really well. The Amiibo feature works perfectly. Um What's the other new features? The buttons, like they just all feel better. Like when you push the buttons, there's a lot better tactile feedback because the quality of it is so much higher. So, um, oh, and the system speed, um, it's it's night and day. Like as you're going to the home screen or buying games, it downloads quicker. Like using the UI is quicker. So this is this is actually really really good quality device. Um, and uh, even the battery life is solid. So, um, I don't know if it's really worth the upgrade if you already have the 3DS XL. Um, I would say this, and this is my memory, so I don't have them side by side, so I can't say for sure. But I can say when I use the 3DS XL, um, I was constantly reminded about how pixelated everything felt as I played it because essentially the pixels were blown up. Um, I've never felt that way even for a second with this screen. And I don't know if it's I've gotten used to it or the build quality of the screen is higher. But overall, it's a really, really good device. And um, I would enthusiastically recommend this. 
So two questions, and yeah. one of them you may, one of them you'll be able to answer, and one of them you may not. Okay. Um, did you notice when? Because the one th- complaint that I have, well, I have plenty of complaints, but but the uh, the complaint that I have about the 3D on the XL, and the reason I generally don't use it is because the frame rate gets cut dramatically when you turn it on, and like mm-hmm. you'll see this especially in Pokemon. Yeah, you'll notice that really, really drastically. Yeah. Does that happen on the new one? Not even for a second. Okay, cool. And then the other question, and I don't, like, this is why I'm saying you may not be able to answer it because you may not have played a game that does this. There were some games, and Luigi's Mansion is the one that, that comes immediately to mind, that were infuriating because Luigi's Mansion is probably one of the best games in 3D mm-hmm. on the system. Maybe I haven't played Majora's Mask. I've heard Majora's Mask is better, but up until, of what I've played, uh, Luigi's Mansion had one of the best examples of 3D on the system, but they also had these sequences where you were walking along a tightrope and you had to use the motion controls hmm. to keep Luigi from falling off. And you can't, you, it was like impossible to do that with the 3D turned on. Hmm. So I'm wondering if the eye tracking is enough to allow you to leave the 3D on and be able to do the motion control and sequences like that. Yes, it would be. It follows okay. your head pretty much brilliantly. It is, um, I mean, if it were like super quick motions, but like, I mean, imagine a 90 degree turn from like one second, you know what I mean? It would be able to follow you for that. So yeah, this um, is more like, yeah. this is more kind of like any of those original games on the iPhone that were using the accelerometer, like to, to like those racing games that we'd use to steer it. It's that kind of a motion. Yeah, it would definitely be able to track that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like kind of like the 5S to the iPhone 5. Yeah, I think that's really comparable. I think it's really comparable. Um, I, I think it's a great device. Um, you know, Persona Q is a game I've really gotten addicted to. Uh, so it just looks brilliant on it. So, yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, I feel I feel like I've been really hard on Nintendo, but this is this is the first device I think I've ever bought from them that really feels like a quality, well-made device. So, you know, if... If you're an adult wanting a really well-made game machine, I think this is it. So why is that funny to you, Georgia? <laughs> it's just the, implica- it's the implication. What? What? Because what, what are all of the other Nintendo things? What What would you consider them if this one's well-made? They're they're crap. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's it's like a Fisher Price toy for children. It's like the leapfrog. It's well made in the criteria that a child could spill Kool Aid on it. And it would survive or could thrown be thrown on the floor, but it's not well made. It's very cheap feeling. Does I mean that's fair? That's actually why are you laughing? Yeah. I'm just feeling yeah. Steve. <laughs> no, I, I I'm not I'm not disagreeing with anything Bree's saying. I mean I think that they've they've cut corners a lot, and that, and it's clear that they cut corners on the 3DS originally when they released it, and now they're releasing the device that they probably wanted to make because, like, the Luigi's Mansion thing in particular is, like, I don't understand the thought process. I mean, it seems like they just wanted to shove every feature into that game, but it's like you have a game that looks really good in 3D, and then you have this motion control that doesn't work with the 3D, and it just, like, the decision doesn't make sense. So it feels like this is probably the device they wanted to make all along and couldn't make it work, you know, for cost reasons or whatever. Uh, up to now, but I'm not. I'm probably not getting one until one of mine 3ds's dies at this point because it's like there aren't any games and there aren't any games on the horizon that I've seen released uh, announced that I would that only run on the new 3ds that I would be willing to, to you know spend another hundred and eighty dollars on to get it. So right, you know. But I I don't. Th- that's like the same thing I feel about the iPhone too. It's like I get the iPhone on a two year cycle, 
And it's like, I see the 5S come out, but it's like, I have a 5, or or had a 5, and, you know, there it was nice, but not enough to make me buy it, you know, out of contract, so. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, well, there we go. Okay. Manny, did you have any questions about it? Super Smash runs really well on it. I, that was my only question. Yeah. I wanted to hear about that C-Stick. How is I'm that so going for you? I'm so cheap with that C-Stick. It's awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome. Right. How does Metroid just... Prime Pinball run on it? Oh, that is a very good game. <laughs> I don't know. I don't own that game. Is that a DS game? It is a DS game. It is a very, very good one. And it's kind of hard to find now. But it, I don't know. It might be in the eShop. It's fun. I don't know how the C-Stick would work in that. I don't um, think it would. But I, yeah, I'm I'm curious about Smash and whether this is going to alter competitive play. But also, like, who's playing competitively on their 3DS anyway? I say go in there and kick everybody's butt with the C-Stick. That's what everybody yeah. else is doing. <laughs> it's the 3DS. <laughs> no one is going to a tournament with that. You may as well just have a good time. I'm trying to envision a, a 3DS uh, Smash tournament, and that's just like the saddest vision I guess, I've ever had. You know, had. since you can use the 3DS to play the actual game on the big screen, maybe if the new 3DS is actually that comfortable, people will start to use it for that. It really but, is comfortable to use, yeah. It's know. hard for me to imagine it being more comfortable than the Pro controller, though. Oh, it's like, not. Yeah. It's not. And you're still risking, and you're still risking your your circle pad by doing those types of motions with it too. Yeah. I guess. I don't know if it's better built that way, but I know that that was a big problem with the old 3DS was that the circle pads were just breaking off from people playing Smash too hard with it. Yeah, smashing too hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're talking about scathing reviews. Well, hang on. We have to take, we have to before before we before we unleash the hounds, we need to take a break and Do we need to promote someone? Yeah, we have to thank our sponsors for this for this episode. I love sponsors. I know we all love sponsors. Uh, so this episode of Isometric is brought to you by Squarespace, which is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace is simple, power- powerful, and beautiful. Uh, it comes with 24-7 support via live chat and email for only $8 a month. And if you pay for a year, you'll get a free domain. All of their, their templates have responsive design, so your website is going to scale to look great on any device. Um, every website comes with a free online store. Uh, we've used it to sell hand turkeys, but you can sell... <laughs> Um, things that Georgia Dow did not draw using her hand and a pen. Yeah, which is probably better. I guess both Don't hands and a pen, technically. There's also new cover pages, which uh, lets you set up a beautiful one-page one online presence in minutes. There's Getty Images support for just $10 an image. You can get access to all the images that the pros use, and they have a developer platform, so you don't have to necessarily use the templates as they are. If you want to go in and get into the HTML and CSS or you want to do some more uh, complicated coding, you can go right in there and do exactly what you want. Uh, there's nothing holding you back. You can go ahead and start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. Uh, when you sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code Isometric to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for Isometric. So thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and Isometric. Uh, Squarespace, build it beautiful. I just bought two new Squarespace sites this week. Did you? I did. I did. Are you hoarding them? Are you just saving up for the apocalypse? I want to get them all. So uh, it's like Pokemon. It yes, is. She's completing it is. the Squarespace exactly. steps. Is what it is. No, we're we're redoing GiantSpaceCat.com because uh, we oh, want awesome. to to look more professional. And then there's another secret site that I cannot talk about now for an upcoming secret project. Does it have pandas? It does have pandas. 
Amanda let me play the full uh, the full build of Cupcake Crisis uh, oh, before oh. our panel, and uh, I it's probably the first game I've finished all year, actually. And, <laughs> well, it is a short game, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but I thought I, what I told her, I'll tell you. I think that you know the kids are really going to like it. I could see my daughter. I mean, my daughters are a little bit on the old age for, on the old range for that now because I think you're targeting more more the toddler set, and they're though they still play some of those Tokoboki games and something like that. But I, I think that that there are a lot of kids who are really going to like that game and, and are going to get... I, I'm excited for, for girls getting excited about building stuff. Yeah, did you think our message about being an engineer was good? Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. I'm really excited for when you guys get to launch it. I think that it's really coming along really nicely. The whole idea for Cupcake Crisis was mine. I can't I even it. believe that. I made a kid's game concept. <laughs> like, Amanda did all the work, but... Like... <laughs> See, Bree's parenting corner finally bore fruit. It did. That's right. It did. That's right. Let's talk about Hotline Miami 2, which came out this week, because uh, Maddie really loved it. I loved it, and I can't wait to talk about it. I <laughs> loved the opening. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm the only one who played this game, right? Did any of you I, play I, the first one? I watched one? the walkthrough. Oh, yeah? Wow. I played the first one. I have a lot of thoughts, but I'll let you talk about the second game. For I had a lot of thoughts on Twitter this week about it, too, but I didn't play the second one. I, I, I won't be playing this game ethically yeah. like really? because of the rape scene. I, yeah. I can't do oh, you, you, it. You I can't do the... it. Yeah. <laughs> From the very beginning of the game, apparently. Yeah, the very beginning of the game. Um, okay, I don't know where to start here. Uh, start at the beginning. Should I just summarize the whole game? Do you guys yeah. want to know what happens? Like, what do you what do you want to know? Do, like, do we need to do we need to blow a spoiler horn for this or no? You I play don't this game anyway. So. We don't play this game for the story. I'm sorry. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, yeah. I I mean I thought the story in the first game was kind of clever. Like I didn't expect the ending. I I wasn't sure where it was going. I thought some of the environmental storytelling stuff was interesting. I mean, there are some cliches in the first game that I don't like, like the fact that you get this girlfriend and then she gets killed to motivate you, which is like such a classic. And the circumstances of you meeting her are horrifying. Um, so, so, I mean, there's some things about the first game that are questionable, but I felt like the first game was really self-aware about all those elements. And I, I was sort of willing to cut it some slack because I thought that the first game was... Uh, being sort of referential about the tropes that it was using. But having played the second game, I'm pretty sure I was wrong because <laughs> the second game is like a parody of anything that the first game was trying to make a point about. It's like, Do you think that it was trying to be a parody? No, I don't. Okay. I actually think that the Denaton Games guys this is the game that they wanted to make. And I, I don't know. I, I don't want to like throw, sh accuse them personally of anything because that's like going down a road that I don't want to go down. I love seeing you choose your words super carefully because it's, uh, it's very entertaining to me. Well. Yeah. I can't believe it, Maddie. I was listening. I was reading your article, but I had the audio on. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there, there are there's there's swear words in your article. There are. <gasps> Pace lets me swear. Did you know that? I'm allowed to swear as much as I want, as long as it's not in the headline. Did you almost <laughs> did you almost lose your petticoat, Georgia? I did. yes. <laughs> Georgia yes, wears I a did. pair of bloomers under her petticoat. I Don't do. worry, anyone. You, Don't worry. Don't worry. It's, um, there's there's nothing in just like about princess this. peach and just like princess peach, she's very lethal and terrifying. Um, and I wear a strange crown. <laughs> Can can you summon a mushroom out of nowhere? <laughs> you don't want to know where it comes from. Georgia actually spends her free time picking turnips. 
I feel like Princess Peach is actually a pretty good, like, summary of of George's personality in that she's just as inscrutable to me. Like, I don't... (laughs) Okay, I would much, I would honestly rather talk about Princess Peach for the rest of the show than Hotline Miami 2, but that's not on the topics list. So I'm going to drag myself back in. So this game, Hotline Miami 2 starts with a rape scene, and it's a rape scene where you, the player, are the rapist. Um, And you can skip it if you want to. And they start out by telling you that you can skip it. And I was like, I'm reviewing this game. I already know what this scene is going to be. So I'm already prepared um, because Kara Elson actually wrote like a really scathing article about this scene when she played it in the preview. And um, because of of Kara's article at Rock, Paper, Shotgun, the Denneton guys decided to make the scene optional, apparently. I I think it was because of her article. I guess I can't prove that, but I'm pretty sure it was. so anyway, it's optional now. But uh, so I, I played it anyway because I was reviewing it. And then I was like, OK, you know, if you're going to include a scene like this, I'm expecting it to have some narrative value. I'm expecting there to be a reason for the game to start that way. Like, I am not one of those feminists who's trying to censor content. <laughs> I don't think that those feminists exist. But for whatever the record, I will say I'm not trying to censor anybody. Like, if you want to put a rape scene in your game, I say do it as long as it's narratively relevant and like well-written and researched and so on. This was not at all any of those things. And if it's skippable, then why, why even have it? It's skippable, but also it makes no sense and it provides no value to the rest of the game. And it's really not clear to me why it's there at all i like i can't even explain it to you guys because it's no there's no it has no relevance whatsoever on the rest of the game at so all do you think that it was just placed there to shock yes and yes and to create a, a controversy i do and i i think that there are other scenes in the game that are like that there's like a particularly brutal death scene where you have to kill somebody who's begging you begging for their life um and so there's sort of like this torturous scene and you you have to kill them to advance the game and um obviously you have to like commit tons and tons and tons of murders in this game but um in this game as opposed to in the first hotline miami you're not just playing one person like the first hotline miami you're just one character and you've been brainwashed and you're sort of discovering like what has happened to make you join this weird murder cult and there's sort of this mystery that you're solving and in the second game you're playing many many other characters there's like seven other playable characters they're all men except for two characters who are part of a group of four that you play as for part of the game. So like majority of these characters are men. There's no real reason why they should be like, I don't know why they didn't have more women in the game, but I guess it's because that's not the message that they wanted to send. Like, I don't, I don't know. So it's like, it's a very hyper masculine game. Like almost all the enemies are men. Like it's, it's uh, I I mean, it's like everything that I hate. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how much more harsh I could be on this game. I, I was really, really disappointed by it because I felt like the first game was making a commentary on using these types of tropes and like the creators were self-aware about what they were doing. But this game, I just completely feel like they went the other way with it. And they were like, let's cash in on the fact that people like this stuff. Like that was how it felt to me was them just going straight into the gutter and being like, do people want trash? We got trash. We're just going to pump out some trash. Like that is how it felt. So yeah, I really don't recommend it. 
I think that there's a, a really big difference between like, you know, this and and there, there's some articles that are out there that are trying to justify it, saying that it's, you know, it, they want to make you uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. and to question the amount of violence that you can deal with and and to to feel that. But I I can't believe that because they're not actually allowing you to deal with the consequences to your actions and you're not having any choice in the matter to that. Yeah. And I think that it's a really big difference than that and this war of mine where right. you're dealing right. yeah. with each consequence yeah. to your actions and part of the discomfort is so that you can empathize with other sides and that everything that you do, there is a repercussion to that. Whereas in this game, you're like kind of like sped through it and forced into actions without having to actually deal with the repercussions and thinking about it and being able to sit with that. And the violence in this war of mine is also not constant. Like it's used it's it's the threat of violence that's really what's what affects you more mm-hmm. than the actual violence itself. Because yeah. the vi- actual violence, I mean, I saw, you know, very few instances in the playthroughs that I've done of where there's actual violence, but there's a lot of, you know, threat and worry about violence and what would what that would do to you. I mean, and you have to think before you make yeah. choices, every single choice you have to think before you do something versus, you know, you're kind of rooted along in one way. It's and and then there's there's no debrief from that afterwards. Yeah, I I just I, I feel like the first game was trying to do some of that. I, I don't know that it was succeeding in in trying to question itself i i think it could have done better but i would say that this game is going more in the opposite direction by making something that is really gross but also really like pulsing fun music happening all the time and like a lot of reinforcing of uh how exciting the violence is and like emphasizing those parts of hotline miami as a franchise as opposed to the morally reprehensible side of it and like that balance is part of what made the first game interesting to me the fact that like there's this really cool music and this this wacky space that you're in and you're committing all these murders but also you feel bad about it in this game I I don't know. I just feel like that balance was completely lost. And instead they just expected me to have a great time. And I can't have a great time murdering tons and tons of people in a video game. I just, as a player, I am too empathetic for that. Like I, I need for there to be a narrative reason why I'm doing it. Maybe I'm playing as a villain. Fine. I can get on board with that, but like there has to be some justification for it. Otherwise I just can't get into the game at all. Personally. I, this game, the the entire concept of it, it, it just seems it, it it reminds me of the boys in junior high school and like what they thought was really cool and edgy, and it just seems mm-hmm. it, yeah. it yeah. just it just. It just feels like the opposite of everything we need right now yep. in the industry. Yeah, I and agree. <laughs> I, I, I think this is the hard moment where we as gamers need to go look in the mirror and say, what, guys, I love games too, but what is wrong with us mm-hmm. that so many gamers have so little empathy? I mean, we know that games don't cause violence. Like the, the science there is clear. But something is wrong with us. And I just, I look at this game and it doesn't feel like there's any message. I mean, mm-hmm. like a movie like Heat has a lot of violence in it, but there's there's a point to it, you mm-hmm. know. And there are a lot of movies about violence that the, the point of it is how 
terrible it is. And, you know, it's just, you know, I've seen playthroughs of this game and it just, it just, it just seems, it, it doesn't seem really any different than hatred to me. So, I mean, should it exist? Sure. But it just is part of what I find so depressing currently in the game industry, you know? So it's basically the video game equivalent of a snuff film is basically what it is. Yeah. I mean, like what you two just said is exactly what my writers group said last night when I was talking to them about the review I was writing, like. Patrick Lindsay made the joke to me, like, you don't ever talk about how the cinematography in a snuff film is really good. Like, why are we talking about the gameplay in Hotline Miami, but like refusing to address the central tone and aesthetic and setup of the game itself? Like, that's really a mistake for one thing. And um, Carly Valachi, who's also in my group, compared it to Hatred. And she was like, why are people excited about playing Hotline Miami 2? But they are angry at Hatred. Like, there is definitely a disconnect there in terms of the subject matter and the type of game that it is. And I don't really know why that is. And, like, I feel like people should be talking about Hotline Miami 2 in a different way than they are. And the number of nines and tens that I've seen for this game have really surprised me. Like what? I, yeah. And like, I, I, cause it's not graphically beautiful either. No, it, it's not. And it's glitchy. And I don't think it's very well designed. Like even from a technical standpoint, I'm happy to blast it. And I talked about that in the review, like the decision to make the levels larger, I think was a mistake, but Anyway, um, the other outlet that gave it a poor score was PC Gamer. And I mean, I saw people going up against the guy who wrote that review as well and like calling him a social justice warrior and stuff. Chris Thurston wrote it. Um, But I like we're the only two people that gave it less than a six. He gave it a five out of ten and I gave it a four out of ten. I mean, this may be a controversial opinion, but I didn't even think the first game was very fun, to be honest with you. And I and. and, (laughs) And I, you know, I read this whole um, op-ed by Rami Ismail today, who I who I respect a lot. And, you know, going through it, like, scene by scene and talking about how important of a game the first one is. And, you know, going through, I, I never got far enough because the game was too difficult to get to the end where they have the big reveal. But the the problem that I have with that, first of all, is that you can't really rely on that because... Every I, I would think that it's common knowledge in game design that most people are never going to finish your game. Oh, yeah. So, you know, go relying on something that's all the way through at the end to as the big reveal is, is you know, you're assuming that most of the players are never going to see it. Also, it's really subtle. Like, I've talked to a lot of people who have no idea what I'm talking about when I talk about the big what I consider to be the big reveal of the first game. Like many, many, many people that I know have been like, oh, I didn't see that game as satirical at all. Like it is not considered to be that except by the people who made it and me. It's really buried. <laughs> and kind of in general, like I'm at the point, and I mean, we were talking about this way back when we were talking about E3 and I was concerned about like the amount of violence that were in like every single trailer that we were seeing at the, at the keynotes. But I'm at the point now where I'm looking at games that are excessively violent and I'm wondering what they're covering up because I feel like a game that is trading on that is compensating for a lack somewhere else Uh, i felt like that with hotline miami i felt like the game i i really gave it a try like i gave it a legitimate try on two platforms i got it through a humble bundle and i played it 
a lot and I couldn't do it and I was couldn't do it with a keyboard and mouse. And then eventually it came on PlayStation Plus and I'm like, okay, let me try this with a controller, which is the way that I guess it's supposed to be played, and let me try it there. And I still couldn't get it. And it's it's like it wasn't fun for the gameplay just wasn't fun at all to me. And and I felt like the the violence was the primary draw for that. And I just feel like it's a crutch. You know what I mean? Like I, there was this this video of PBS that PBS Game Show put out on Tuesday, and I don't know if it was uh, time to come out with Hotline Miami too, or if it was just coincidental. But talking about like why killing in games is a primary game mechanic, and, and a lot of it was basically like every narrative needs conflict, and this is the most you know this is the the kind of conflict that will generate the highest stakes and will make it most visceral to the player and it, that's fine you know and that was one thing when that when when game design was still an early form and we were still figuring out what was going on but i'd like to think that we're starting to move past that now you know where we can do different types of games or if we're going to have killing in a game that it's meaningful and it and it's something like this war of mine where if you have to kill somebody it's a real decision and you're not just mowing down you know hundreds and hundreds of people for sport and trying to do it in the most you know graphic way possible but the problem is that it seems like this is what people want so the the developers are giving uh, you know, are giving users their bread and circus. So I have something to say about that, like it being what the the users want. And I want to I want to kind of widen this discussion out a bit. I I, I kind of feel like as we're we're having this discussion about violence, it's like hit rewind because we're doing this again, and we've had this a lot. I mean, yeah. Not not just on isometric, but as gamers. And I I want to talk about the bigger issue here, which is um, when I was at GDC this year. Um, so one of the, the people that I did a panel with was the lead animator of Skullgirls. I'm a huge fan of her work. Um, and after that panel, um, you know, she and I disagree on Dead or Alive. And after that panel, I was talking to a lot of people, many of whom were like, you know, women in their very early 20s, like, you know, from 20, 25, something like that. And I was really struck by how... But how important it was for them to like defend the sexual content in games. Um, and I got to thinking about this issue. Um, it was kind of thinking about Gone Girl. And yeah, you know, the movie didn't cover it as much as the novel, but how it's really important to be the quote unquote cool girl. And and I was thinking about that as it relates to video games. Because in our culture, nobody wants to be the prude that's, you know, blasting sex and violence. Because, I mean, God knows, like, I'm listening to this talk right now. I'm like, oh, my God, I've become my parents. But, <laughs> but at the same time, there, there's a point where, you know, something I could never have understood in my 20s is when you get into your 30s, you actually do know more. You have a wider perspective. You're not stodgy. You are older and have more experience and know more. That's how you know when you're older and stodgy, because you're like, that's actually experience and wisdom. Wait, <laughs> but, so, I, like, how does that explain George's whole deal, though? Like, <laughs> I was hoping I was stay out of it. What do you, what do you uh, mean, George's whole deal? Peach no, me, no, Maddie. No, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to record scratch it. Bree, keep going. Keep but going. I, my, my, my point here is I feel like Hotline Miami, we have a culture here that kind of very childishly wants to 
glorify this stuff. And it's like, yeah, yeah, this is a disgusting, violent game, but I'm not one of those you know, puritanical, crazy SJWs, censor everything feminists. Like, I'm cool. I'm with it. <laughs> I'm okay. Don't hate me. Yeah, and totally. Be- and because of that, I think, like, you know, I'm sorry. Like, this game is not deep. This is a bunch of eighth grade suburban high school BS, you know? And it's it's just not. And I I think that like we've got to get past this this like incessant need to defend like sex and violence in games when it just isn't artistically it just makes no sense, you know? I think also like a lot of things are just bad no i i mean i completely agree with what you said brie but like to put it a little more bluntly like sometimes we defend games that are bad because we just believe so much in games that we really want them to be saying something important like i know i've fallen into that trap and like i don't know not to blast spec ops the line here but when i first played that game i was like this is a big deal and then i thought about it and i was like no, it was kind of heavy handed and like corny and really hammered the point in way too hard. And I don't know that it actually said anything new. And like, that was how I ended up feeling about Hotline Miami at this point. Like looking back on it, I don't really feel like, I mean, it's definitely not saying anything new now, three years later, which is also when Spec Ops came out. And so like a lot of the games that in 2012 and before that, Perhaps I was still in my cool girl stage at that time, or at least shaking it off a bit still. Um, I I look at now and I'm like, I think maybe I was giving them too much credit and maybe it was just poorly written. And I just wanted it to be good so badly because I want games to be better. And because I want that so much, I'm willing to accept a game that tries even a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Like if it tries even ever so slightly to be deep, if there's like a single metaphor, I'm like, oh, thank God. (laughs) And like, that's really pathetic. But I I mean, that means then that when the really fantastic games come along, like really, really well-written games, like I would consider Christine Love's games to be incredible. Like those games then get dismissed because they don't fit into this particular category of like shooter that's very edgy because apparently that's what we're seeing as being the edgy type of game and anything that doesn't fit into that mold it's just like well that's some other weird thing i i don't know i i agree with you that's all i'll say and also 22 year olds you're you're gonna be okay i i've been where you are but we just all give have. it a few years. Except Wait, for none Georgia. of us have been 22 before. I, I mean, I've been the cool girl. I mean, I've oh, like okay. been specifically like trying oh. to be that person. And okay. I've never been that. But yeah, I just think that when we like, it used to be cool and edgy to do a shooter and to have all this kind of violence and shock and it was new yeah. and the in thing. It just, it, we've done that for so much. And by allowing like that to be the template and us to still accept and buy games that they don't have to be creative or innovative or think about a plot or why things are happening. We're just allowing people to slack off on our game selection and we need to expect more. I think that it used to be, you know, you know, 20 years ago, it was like the 13 year old gamer and that's when gaming began. And now, you know, 
people are maturing and hopefully wanting and expecting something that will be a new experience, maybe even that they'll learn something from or get to think something about and take a different perspective on something. And I, I think that we need to ask and demand. And if there's something that's, there's nothing wrong with calling out a game that you don't find has any artistic or meritous value. I think that, you know, Phew. cool is being, <laughs> <laughs> cool is being different. You can like, feel a certain way and it doesn't have to be the same status quo unfortunately the gaming culture is a little bit hard on things that are not going to fit in the mold and i think that people that grew up as that being their comfort zone are afraid that um someone's gonna yeah that someone's gonna gonna get rid of their like you know eggs and grits and it's gonna change and they're never gonna be able to have that anymore and i think that that causes people a lot of uh, anxiety and distrust and anger because they still want things to be the old way can I ask you a question, Georgia? I, I, should I? I don't know. How, <laughs> no, no, no. May, I mean, maybe. <laughs> so what? I mean, my understanding of the science is it's very clear: video games do not cause violence. But have you read any studies that like talk about the psych? Like, mm-hmm. I know studies have shown that if you watch media where women are bimbos and sex objects, like that, absolutely affects how you see women. It has consequences. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think the consequences are of, like, the steady diet of this type of game? It's kind of interesting. There's there's a few, and I'll, I'll be quick about them. But, um, you know, we definitely lose. We become de- desensitized to violence the more that we see it, period, yeah. whether it's in games, whether it's on TV, whether it's on movies. It becomes easier for us to digest, and that's a dangerous thought to our society. And so I spoke before um, about they when they started games like Call of Duty, it started for military purposes because they found that um, people were only 10% of the time people were able to actually shoot another human being. And for the military, that doesn't work out really well for them because that's their job. And so they actually developed these games and they found that the, the shooting ratio, I think it went up to 60%. It was a really big difference. I might be wrong about the statistics, so I'm really sad about that if I'm wrong. Um, you can send me angry tweets if it's like 40% instead. And the way that we view people is changed by the media in which we consume. So if you see women as only objects or people of color as only Um, you know, people that you're going to hurt or damage, then you are going to interact with people because we are mimics. We're naturally made. We do what we see other people do, not what people tell us to do. So if you want someone to not, if you want your children not to smoke, the best way is not to tell them not to smoke, but not to smoke yourself. And then if you take a video game character that you really like and that you want to embody and you want to be like, and they interact with a female character in a certain way, and they treat them like an object, or they treat um, interactions in, as a very minimal you know, ex- excuse for kind of getting to the next area. Yeah, unfortunately, unconsciously, that changes the way that we view people of the same origin and set that they fit into. And the hard thing that I don't think people realize unless they're in one of the minority groups that are being marginalized in media, let's just use media as a whole, is that it does affect them as well. Because yeah. we also decide what we can be, what are what is our status that by what we end up seeing. And they've done a lot of studies on young girls and uh they, they, we start off with really, really great self-esteem and we can become anything and, and slowly, and this is not as much today as it was 20 years ago, but slowly they notice that their self-esteem starts decreasing starkly 
as they end up going through the school system and watching more media and dealing with the manner in which people are interacting. So I know that a lot of people get upset because you don't want to change the way that your video games are, but you can still get your video games to be gory and graphic and horrific and also have many a variety, a diversity of many different characters that also lets them be diverse and actual characters and it makes a huge difference to people that see that are, that are you know in a wheelchair and they see a character that's in a wheelchair it's uh, awe-inspiring for them you just don't understand because it's hard to empathize with something that you're not dealing with until you actually know someone and they go wow that meant a ton to me yeah, there was a really great piece actually on Pace this week. Um, Javi Gwaltney wrote a piece about disability in Wolfenstein. Yeah, and talking about that that scene with I think Caroline is the name of the character who's in a wheelchair, and you know he says, "Oh, I'm sorry that that happened to you." And she's in the she goes into the helicopter. It's like it's okay. I learned how to fly, mm. and you know, mm. and and how that was you like know that. speaking to him as as somebody you know, living, living with a disability. And, and you know, it, it, it's funny cause I, I love that game too, for different reasons. And it mm-hmm. just, um, you know, it's funny how that game kind of spoke to both of us in different ways. And you don't know it unless you really, you, I don't think that people realize. I think that a lot of times we just, we're naturally afraid of fear. We're afraid of, especially if these are the games where you get to let out your aggression and you get to be powerful and you're not used to that. And you might see women or people that are minorities as something scary or something unattainable or something that you're angry at. It's hard to think of changing that, but change is better for everyone. It's better for your interaction with other people. It's better for the manner in which you're going to treat people. It's better for your own social skills and development if you can look at people and see them for as people. Yeah. That's a weird thing to say, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about a game that gives me low self-esteem, which is Dead or Alive. Oh God! Oh, so are we gonna are we gonna do that, or do you want to do you want to? I hey, I played this stupid game. We are not too. taking this off the topics. <laughs> okay, list. all right, all right. So let's let's. I mean, we're already on that. We're already kind of brought up Dead or Alive Five. So the three of us, Bree made us. Bree made us play it. I did. <laughs> I wanted to check out the boob rendering. Yeah, I, I played. I will. I will say just to get the worst experience possible. I played this via remote play to the Vita, what? just wow. to just to make it just to make it extra painful for myself. All right. So, so you could barely see the boobs. Then you could. Uh, no, I saw the boob. Believe me, I saw the boobs. It, is, it just took up the entire screen. It's a very weird thing that's happened to me. Because, like, I've spent all this time, like, trying, you know, growing up and then trying not to stare at the boobs in video games. And now I'm doing the show with you guys. Right. And we keep making My you job is to stare at the boobs <laughs> in video games. You use that line. Try. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You yeah, have yeah, to. Yeah, it's your yeah. job. Oh, okay. I see, Steve. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't instruct you to stare at the boobs. I just right, instructed you to, to you, play the game. You, you, you specifically know. said you wanted to talk about the jiggle physics. I think there's a lot to unpack in this game. I think there's the, I think there's the monetization model. You can I think say it there's that way. the story model. Right. So Yeah, I was mostly thinking about the monetization model the whole yeah. time. That sweet, yeah. sweet model. I, 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 by monetization model, do you mean the moneymaker? Is that what you're talking about? I, oh, yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm not being sarcastic here. I mean, <laughs> no, I know you're not. We're I know you're not either. I'm just giving you a hard time. Something I think time. that was really interesting about this game is, so I was looking, I, I took Sunday off because 
of the enforcer situation. And I was on the couch all day and I was like, you know, I've critiqued the frack out of Dead or Alive 5 in media, like I do on NPR, I've done on endless TV shows. I've like asked TV shows to like play clips of Dead or Alive 5. And I was like, well, you know what? I need to really go through here and understand this game again. And I'm going to play it on PS4 to like, you know, to really be fresh on this. So I download the, the Core Fighters model and, um, you know, which is free. Uh, I, I might also mention this game came out when? Was it 2012 on the PlayStation yeah, it was, 3? Yeah, it was. 2012, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, this isn't a new game. Um, so I download the, the Core Fighters model. Um, you know, I start playing it, and I think Kasumi and whatever the other woman's, Ayan, um, Ayane, Ayane. Yeah, they're not really my favorite characters in Dead or Alive. So then I buy the uh, the female characters pack and the story mode pack, which I might add, this takes me over the $60 it would have cost me to just buy the game in the first place. <laughs> um, that also leaves me without a bunch of core features. It leaves me without um, any of the, the men in the game, which would cost another $30 on top of that. Mm. And then to start buying costumes. Men are expensive. Like, right, yeah, right. Well... <laughs> But then to start buying costumes, um, if you want to buy all the costumes in the game, it's $100 to play, like, your weird dress-up doll fantasy That's with so them. strange because there's and not then, a lot of fabric on those costumes. Right. Well, yeah. Well, some of them some <laughs> of them are. It's definitely not are, per square inch that you're paying. Well, yeah, but, like, what if you want her to be, like, a maid? Or what if you want her to be, like, a police officer? I mean, there's a lot of options there for, like, the hat she could be wearing. Right. right. Yeah. Mostly. It's, so, it's funny yeah, because it's the, the only hat. thing that I really knew about this game coming out is that as I was skimming through my feeds, I saw an article about how some of the more sexualized costumes were going to be banned from tournament play. And I'm not sure if that was because uh, I think they said that they wanted to like restore the respectability (laughs) of the franchise or something like that. And then, and so they, they were banning some of like the more sexualized costumes. You could ban every costume in this game, except one (laughs) and pick the best one. It would still not have dignity restored to it. Yeah. You can't restore something that wasn't there in the first place, but anyway, please continue. No, I'm just saying like, it's, it's a, it's a game for perverts. I mean, you know, this is, I'm sorry. So, so I, okay. I love well, our topics this I mean, week. Like, wait, can wait, I just I have a question for you? Oh, like that's a so yeah, great. Go we, that that's definitely yeah. has to be one of the titles because that we get to vote I, on. I actually <laughs> thought that this game was going to not even really be a fighting game. Like, I admit, I have not played this game because I like fighting games, and I thought that this was just mostly a porn game with like some cursory fighting game elements. And there are fighting game elements in this. And I found a lot of complex forum threads about like countering and complex play that I looked up because I wanted to learn more as I was playing it because it's me. And I, there are people who play this game competitively and I feel really, really sorry for them (laughs) because they sure did end up in the wrong game. But at the same time, like there is, there, there are some complexities that I did not expect so I, I just want to give it that. And I will say also, like, this game exists in a very weird liminal space between porn and video game. And it always has, and it can't really decide what it wants to be. And I think there are probably people in the fandom who want it to be porn and people who want it to be a game. And, like, they probably are in a constant battle with one another, right? I mean, well, that, that's, well that's why the beach volleyball games exist, yes. right? To just go full on into the porn side. But and it's then... why the hundreds of costumes exist and the modes where you can look at the girls more closely and so on 
I mean, Maddie, this is a bad fighting game. Yeah, it's not good. I, but... I've played a lot of fighting <laughs> games, and like I was just expecting talking... it to be way worse. That's all. That's all I meant by it. So, so you were basically expecting to have zero nutritional value, and it had yes. as much nutritional value as like a McDonald's hamburger. Basically, I was surprised there were combos. Like, I did not expect anything going in. I did not expect anything. It's a game that you can so deconstructing this game on a tactical level. So. This game at its core is rock, paper, scissors. Like high attacks beat low attacks. Well, low attacks beat high attacks and then mid attacks beat low attacks. Yeah. So you have to counter with the right attack each right. time. So it's a high level game of paper, rock, scissors. Now, if you compare that to something like Street Fighter or even Tekken, um, there's a lot more as a game going on. Like take, for instance, you know, Jury who is a character that controls a lot of space, like horizontally, vertically, diagonally. She can con- choose to control space in those lanes. And you have to like approach it tactically with that. So even as you play with all of these fighters, you're essentially dealing with people that have different ratios of strike, hold, you know, different combos, but they all feel very much the same to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that like my biggest criticism of this beyond the sex would be this is not a good fighting game. Tekken is a better fighting game than this. Soul Calibur um, is a better fighting Soul game. Soul Calibur. And goodness yeah. knows I don't like the outfits in Soul Calibur either. But like right. if you want to get interested in a 3D game, which this we should specify it's a 3D fighting game as opposed to 2D. So Her- if you like Karotica 3D games, is a better then better fighting game. Um, what is? What is? Karateka. Karateka. Is that how you pronounce it? Or was Karateka? Maybe. I don't know. I've never played this game. It's on the iPhone. It's actually pretty good. Okay. But, but anyway, <laughs> I mean, you know, Persona 4 Arena Ultimax is a much better game than this. So at its core, this is, I mean, you can even play Sailor Moon fighting games for the SNES at a high level. And I have. I've like mastered that and figured out the combo. So you can take a bad game. Yeah. You can take a bad fighting game and play it at a high level. That doesn't make it good. So Dead or Alive at its core said, like, what does it have? The story mode is the most offensive garbage I've ever seen. And that is someone who's been playing games for over 30 years at this point. Wow. Like, tell me what is some yeah. of the storylines. Yeah, tell me about some of tell the me women a story. So that we can <laughs> So yeah, we can know what are the, the underlying stories to why these Yeah, women what are their motivations? Why like can't like they what afford is clothing? Right. What is Ayami really feeling and what is Kasumi feeling inside and whatnot? Because when we're in areas that are sunny, I'm like, that's okay. And then there's other areas that I'm like, they're cold. These poor women are cold. They're fighting because they're hoping to get they're working some clothing. Out. They're working out. They got to keep the blood right. moving. I mean, it's it's basically... It doesn't portray it doesn't bother me when women are sexy. It bothers me when women are portrayed as stupid like objects with no emotions other than to date or have sex with. And mm-hmm. the voice acting makes them sound dumb and empty. Um the the looks on their faces infuriate me because they spend so much time with boob rendering and they don't spend any time trying to figure out how to make their faces convey emotion. They have so faces. They look like yeah. they do have faces. You know, you, know what struck, you know what struck me seriously? Like I yeah. was playing with Kasumi and Iani and I looking at and they have that scene where, you know, right before the match starts where they have them both looking at you, and I'm like they have the exact same face. Right. They do. Like, it's, it's literally spooky. the same face with different hair on the two characters. 
I don't agree with that. But it's, they're almost it's, almost exactly. I mean, not entirely exact, but they almost look identical, like identical twins. It has a very – the blankness, I would argue, yeah. is very similar. Yeah, I it's mean, definitely like a blank like a blank expression on their faces. Sure, sure. But yeah. so I don't know. I think you've got bad game. You've got a bad story. Like, yeah, Maddie, when you play this, do you want to be any of these characters? Because when, <laughs> when I play – when I play Persona for Arena Ultimax, like, I want to be, you know, Rise. You know, what about Bayonetta? Bayonetta, I want to be Bayonetta when I play that. You know, like I, you know, Lara Croft. Mm-hmm. I want to be Lara Croft when I play Tomb Raider. Um, I look at these women in this game and they seem stupid and they don't look like ladies of caliber. <laughs> Soul <laughs> caliber, if yes. you will. Um, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. They, they, they look like blow-up dolls. They don't look like people at all. They stare blankly and they're like, oh no, a fight! And, and I'll, I'll I, say it because I know that, that everyone feels this way, but I'll say it because someone will, will mention it. I think that all of us enjoy looking at beautiful, um, you know, sexy, sultry, that's women sure. that are that are we fully like held. Bayonetta on this show. Yeah, we and it's a very, about she's a, on this a show. very sexy character. It mm-hmm. is not because of that that there's a problem with this game. No, 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 no. Can I can I like share an anecdote about me playing this game? Uh-huh. I, I I don't know if you were done, Bree. I don't want to no, interrupt your story. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I I don't want to interrupt the gripping tale of Kasumi. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so I. I was sort of like waiting for the sexy stuff to happen and like there is sort of tangential sexy stuff in this game but no more so than I would say I see in other fighting games that I play like I mean the way that Poison they the camera treats Poison is not great in Street Fighter and the way that Ivy is treated in Soul Calibur it's not great so I was kind of like all right all right I'm willing to forgive Dead or Alive so far but then I finally lost a match I don't know if this is my settings or what, but when I lost, Kasumi was lying on the ground, staring into the camera and heaving at me. Did this happen to you guys? Yes. Yes. She is writhing on the ground, staring at me with a vulnerable look in her eyes. Is it because she's in pain? Yes. But it sure doesn't look like that's what she's feeling. (laughs) And Hmm. I wanted to look up my moves. And so I like pressed the options button to look up my moves. And I could not even concentrate on my moves because this voice (laughs) actress is breathing at me. And I can see her pulsing in the background of my move set that I'm trying to look at. It's like disturbing to me to see that. And that is the losing screen. And it's like a weird, sexy reward because it just... The way that the shot is framed, like ordinarily a losing screen in a fighting game is not sexual in any way. Like I just I feel like the implication there is that these are characters whose humiliation should be a turn on, which I really don't like. Yeah. And and then it's like, OK, so to what extent is seeing these women get beat up supposed to be sexual? I don't like that. I mean, like I, I just all of the implications of that make me super uncomfortable to see. I I I completely agree with that, and it's it's troubling to I I don't know I 
I just don't understand why that's supposed to be sexy. But, I mean, Georgia, going to your point, I, I do. Look, I will admit, I love looking at gorgeous women. I just do. And if it's done in a really cool way, like, I mean, you guys know this feeling. Like, you mm-hmm. look at a really gorgeous woman, you yeah. start, like, you go, why does her hair work? Why does her makeup work? What is going on with that outfit? And you're, like, deconstructing it. And it's really awesome artistically. And if it's someone like freaking Beyonce who is, like, awesome – like it's it's like an aspirational thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But when they're the lying on the ground, heaving and sighing and moaning, it's like it's, it's, when a, it's so degrading. It is presented when, not as an aspirational image. It is presented as an object. It yeah. is not something that you are supposed to relate to. It is something yeah. that you're supposed to see as a sex object. Yeah, their yeah. their only purpose there is the sexual gratification and the ability to dominate and deal with. You know, and own and see as a doll that yeah. you can pose like that's all that it is. And like, I get that that is what porn is supposed to be also like it is it is constructed fantasies and like it's fine. I'm fine with it. I just think that the fact that this is a video game and it also has these, I would say, pornographic and sexual elements makes it confusing for me because I'm like, I, I feel like the game is basically just outright saying it's not for me. You know, like I'm, I basically can't play the game. Do they own that, though? Because I don't know if I feel as offended if they've gone out to say we're going to make a very we're going to make a porn fighting. They game. haven't. You're right. And I, I think I would. I think I agree. Like if they went out and said that. I mean, haven't they said that by making the volleyball game, though? No, really? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the volleyball like, game is a good volleyball game. It's a really good volleyball game. I like that game, but this is a bad game. <laughs> is that the game you wanted me to play? I know, play? but you know, I mean, isn't that basically like, you remember in the 90s when Marvel had like the swimsuit issues? Yeah. And, and I mean, that's basically the same thing. Yeah, you know, like the thing it- that that is keeping Sports Illustrated in business. I would reason. actually pick those up and learn to draw from them. Like, I mean, George, this is what you're saying. Like, I, I would get those issues. I would sit there and figure out how to draw hair or, or, or figures. Like, I love that when it's artistic. I mean, yeah, but I, I mean, don't the know. message yeah. that the message that it's sending by making by making something that something like that though, in general, was you know these are these are uh, you know women are supposed to be objects. Sure. And that's why you're making a swimsuit issue out of them. But why can't they, like, and and maybe this is inappropriate because maybe men then cannot look at these images in the way that they want to, but why can't they have women that are sexy and, but are are actual people with wants, needs, cares, thoughts? No, that's like going to ruin like a ton of bars. I want to know, Steve, is there (laughs) something, I mean, Please tell you honestly, like, is there something sexual about having the woman degraded? I mean, I, I truly don't understand it. I think there's like a fetish for that. I mean, like, I don't want to be judgmental about that part of it. I mean, I think that the problem, the problem is, and the problem, and, and it goes back to what we were just talking about with Hotline Miami, and it's the problem, a problem that I have, that, that we have in gaming, and it's a problem we have in nerd culture in general, is that... We are selling and manufacturing things for 22-year-old boys. Yeah. Exclusively. And this is the this is what you get when you do that. When you're making things exclusively to 22-year-old boys and saying this is for you and everybody else can buy it if they want to, this is what you end up with. This is the same problem that we have with Hotline Miami going 
overboard on, on violence. This is why I can't buy comic books for my daughters mm-hmm. because there's no comic books that I can find that don't have a T rating that isn't like Superman Family Adventures, which they don't make anymore. This is why I can't take my kids to a comic book movie yeah. because they're all rated PG-13 yeah. and they have stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy with, uh, with Star-Lord waking up with, uh, with a woman that he's yeah, you know, throwing, out into an air, throwing out of an airlock or whatever. The guy I know, not, I know that's not what he's doing. the one female but, character yeah. a whore, which isn't funny. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. I mean, this is the problem when you – and, and when, you, when you do that and then you're – I mean, I will buy almost anything that I can play with my kids at this point, but there's not much of it. Yeah. And – this is the problem when you are going overboard in that demographic. You're excluding everybody else, and you're th- you're leaving money on the table. I think. Yeah, I mean, like I the degradation stuff bugs me because it's like tied to violence, and also in a video game, and that seems like the wrong place for it to me. But um, also, like the body types, the body types, and the way that it's filmed, all of it makes me really uncomfortable. Like they all look exactly the same. They all look really vacant. They all have these huge wonderful boobs (laughs) like i i feel like it sends a weird message like i can look at street fighter and like admit that poison is sexualized admit that even sakura sexualized like you can see her panties every time she kicks like i know that's not great but there are a variety of body types in street fighter for better for worse like you have like elena who like looks very different and like like jury's body is is more skinny and like you know sakura is more like short and and Chun-Li has massive muscly thighs like there could be more body diversity than that but compared to this game Street Fighter is killing it at body diversity which is pretty sad but but this game like every girl looks the same to me I I don't know I don't anyway Bree, what were you gonna say no no I was just gonna I know people are gonna yell at me I'm not trying to shame people that are into BDSM that's fine but that's that's a really big difference than portraying this is like somehow the norm for everyone in this game. That's do you know what I mean? I it's do. just not the I message here. Do. It's 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 different saying this should be in the mainstream in this particular context. It's in a game so laden with the horrible messages. It's just I don't know. I, I you're correct that I don't want to shame people though. So yeah. So was that what you were playing this week, Bree? Uh, <laughs> I, I have played a lot of stuff. I will. I feel like we talked about this. Um, I played. A, oh man, I want to talk about Res, Resident Evil Revelations, but it's a long show. This is a really good game, um, and I think it's one of the better Resident Evil games I've played in a long time. So go buy it, enjoy it. Um, something I really like about this game is it's the opposite of Dead or Alive. You know, Claire Redfield, I've been having adventures with her for, what, 20 years at this point? Like, that is crazy. That is absolutely crazy. So, um, you know, she's um, she's actually grown up now. And they made the skeletal mesh older. So, like, you know, she's a woman in her 40s now. And she runs a corporation in this game. And, you know, she's really, really cool. And you get to see, like, Barry Burton's daughter all grown up. So, um I really like this game. It gets one single mechanic down awesomely, which is uh, partners have different abilities. Uh, so whereas Resident Evil 6 was this giant sprawling mess, uh, Resident Evil Revelations is very focused, um, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, I'm also working on Persona uh, Q, and I hope to have beaten that by the time I get home from vacation. Okay. So, uh, Maddie, what are you playing this week? Um, so I did have to play Hotline Miami 2 for the review, but I'm doing three game reviews this week because I 
have lost my mind and I've decided that money is the only thing that matters to me anymore. <laughs> um, so I, the other, the game review that's due tomorrow is for La Mulana X and funny story. I had to buy a PlayStation Vita to play this game. Oh, <laughs> really? Yup. I went Dang to GameStop. I had to go to GameStop for this and I bought a stupid PlayStation Vita from stupid GameStop and now I own one. And I've oh. been playing La Mulana X, which is a remake of a game that has been remade many, many times. And um, it came out in 2005, but it doesn't look like it came out in 2005 because even in 2005, it was a throwback game. And it's a roguelike. It reminds me of Spelunky a lot. Uh, it's kind of Indiana Jones-ish. I don't think I'm going to be as hard on it as I was on Hotline Miami, but I'm not in love with it. So spoilers, I'm probably going to give it more of a lukewarm review. Uh, there's things I really like about it. Like as a roguelike, I think it's really well constructed. It's very like addictive. Repeating it many times hasn't bothered me. I've like had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I'd never played it before. So in terms of being a remake that's still accessible to me as a completely new player, I liked that part of it. Uh, they did a good job implementing tutorial stuff that wasn't really present in the other remakes apparently um so it's accessible but uh just like plot wise and in terms of what it looks like there's nothing that's going to blow your mind here like i'm playing as this little indiana jones guy and it's just like i don't know i everything about that and everything about the way that the game looks is very like okay there's stone tablets there's ancient statues like it's it's pretty cliche so i that part of it i i really can't recommend aesthetics wise but if you already own a vita and you are looking for something to play on it um it's you know it's not bad it's not bad so what else did you get for your vita other than that that's it that's it that's it i just got okay. it Okay, so we're going to have lunch when I get back in town from vacation. <laughs> and, and I'm going to play Danganronpa. I have a spare, copy. I have a spare I copy. I have and a spare... lunch will not end until you finish Danganronpa. I, I, <laughs> I have a spare copy of Danganronpa 2 here. Uh, I was just going to buy them, but I mean, you know. Well, I've got it them. here, and I put a um, I put a a challenge out on Twitter. For, like, if anyone could beat me in Peckle, I'd give them this copy of Danganronpa, and like twenty people tried and failed. So <laughs> I still have it. Oh so, my god! Yeah, that's yeah. like an impossible challenge. Like it's what? Not, it, it's 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 happened once. If no, anybody... you beat me for a game, not a tournament, not an entire oh, okay. tournament. Fair, fair so, enough. Fair yeah. enough. Mm. <laughs> I know that there are, there are complex rules to uh, there are to, complex to peggle rules, yes. in, in Brianna Wu's world. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, yeah, I would never hope to beat you at peggle, but if you want to just give me the copy of your game for being <laughs> I will do cool, that. I you will could do, do that. that. For you. Yes, I'll do a little jig for you. How about okay. that? I'll take it. That's worth two peggles. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like it's like I instead of playing two matches of peggle in the tournament, I'll do two jigs. We can still do the tournament. I don't think I know how to play Peggle. <gasps> do you know how to do the jig? What? But I I think I've played Peggle before, but I don't Just get Peggle know. for your phone. It's a dollar. Well. No, it's not good. It's not good on your That's phone. like the starter. The introductory. Uh, I, I think I played it before. I played a lot of like things. I, I We're going to have to get together again and stream Peggle. So I think that's what Peggle. we have to do. I should just play Peggle. Yeah, you should. So, Georgia, what are you playing this week? So, I'm playing uh, two main games. Um, 
So one is I have a tower defense game that I'm playing with my husband, which is a lot of fun. And I was thinking about you, Steve, or, and I think uh-huh. actually all of you, I think, would enjoy it. It's kind of fun, and, and it's you, you're building all these different towers in the trees. It's called Pixel Junk Monsters Ultimate. Oh yeah. oh yeah, and I'm we're having I such, have that, I think. we're having such fun playing. It's not, it's no, it's low stress. You get to redo any levels that you don't, and you run around and you're trying to defend your little tiny people from the monsters that come through. And the nice thing is that if you get hit, you lose your coins, but the game keeps on going. So it's a low mm. stress game, a lot of fun, really cute. Uh, we're enjoying strategizing together and working together as a team. So I really enjoyed that game. And the other game uh, was recommended to me by uh, John Syracuse, actually at PAX, and that's Alto's Adventure. I was hoping you were going to play this because I'm surprised that it's taking you this long, actually. I know, I know. And this is hilarious because it reminds me of what was on the news a little while ago. But what you're doing is you're uh, skiing, and you're traveling down the mountains, and you're trying to catch your llamas. That I'm serious. That's <laughs> yeah. You're trying to catch llamas that, okay. that escaped. So it's yeah, it came out like the almost, same week as the yeah, llama escape. Yeah, it's happened. almost like yeah. a game. Of the llama no, escape, no, no. Or? It was just like a, they were working there for like two years. It was just like a complete yeah, coincidence. It's like the game mm, sounds like viral <laughs> marketing to me. And so you're, you're, well, even the A in the alto is like with a little llama head. It's hilarious. Are they black and white? We were asked from uh, Kiva in the chat room. Yes. Um, and so you're chasing the llamas, and as you do tricks also, your scarf grows longer length. And, and it's, it's also a really cute, fun, relaxing game if you like tiny wings. This would be a good game for you to try out. Yeah, I, I was I, I got it when it came out too, and I first started playing it, and I'm like, I don't get why everybody's so up and so in awe of this game because it's just like I could tick off five games that it was identical to, or I thought I could. And but when you get into it, it really does get pretty deep and pretty engaging. And I've been playing it a lot. Yeah, too. it's it's a cute, fun, relaxing game. It's not something that's uh, there's there's a lot of strategy to it. There's a lot of timing, and if you want to chill and you don't want to stress out about playing a game, it's a nice game to play. It's it's also very beautiful. Yeah, it's got a really nice, nice, relaxing soundtrack. It's got cool things like it changes it the the time of day changes, so it goes through a sunset and then d- night and then a sunrise. And there's no, different really weather great. in different yeah. areas. It's really and, and there's a lot of like when you do get in deeper into it, it does get a lot some strategy involved too. So I wasn't John hoping that this would get you off of desert golf. It it did oh, actually okay. for good, the good. time at least for the time <gasps> being. Thank goodness <laughs> the fever is broken. That's my go-to game on my iPhone right now, but... I don't think you ever played Desert Golf. Did you, Maddie? Nah. Bree? Not going to. Ever. Did you play Bree? Yes. Bree yes. played it. Okay. I played a lot. She's... Oh, there we go. You I'm sounded a lot, slightly it. aggressive yeah. when you said that. I'm not doing it. Danganronpa, <laughs> I will play, but Desert Golfing, no way. So, Steve, what have you been playing? Um, so, I've been playing Ollie Ollie 2 on Ooh. the Vita. I guess um, I could get that. Yeah, Woo! well, if you have PlayStation Plus, you'll get it for free. I do not, but maybe I should finally crack and get that as well. Yeah, you may as well, because you also get uh, Valiant Hearts for the PS4 if you do. Yeah, I can start getting more games than I have time to play for free. <laughs> for free. You're home all day now. You have time, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, time that I'm spending reviewing other games for money. But that's like time. Yeah, 
So, um, so yeah, it was free with PlayStation Plus at, at launch, and um, I know friend of the show Mike Hurley has been like a huge fan of Ali Ali, and I've been trying to give it another try because I know he and I have fairly similar tastes in games, and, and I, it's been growing on me. So, Ali Ali is a skateboarding game. It's like a, a it's almost like a like Tony Hawk as a plat as a side scrolling platformer. So you're you're launching tricks, and then you're trying to chain them together into a into a really long combo by doing grinds and then launching from grinds into other tricks and trying to nail the landing in between and what they've um what they've introduced in this game is manualing like in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 so you can actually land and continue the combos once you land and for some reason that's really changed the game for me and made it a lot more fun because I feel like it's it for whatever reason I was missing that and that has just kind of flipped the script for me and i'm really kind of enjoying it a lot and it's like they really go overboard now like the other game focused on had some game goals that focused on combos this one is really like challenging you to do a combo that lasts the entire level without touching the ground which i'm not good enough to do yet but it's um but i'm i'm starting to get better at it um i mean i wish i was a little bit better at street fighter because they're basically all like quarter circle half circle moves that you need to execute the tricks Oh yeah, I mean that's what's good about it. <laughs> well, well, there. So you'll be you'll you'll be you know clearing the whole thing in one run without any practice, probably. But nah, I mean I played Ali Ali. I think it's hard, but yeah, it's a it's a hard game, but it's fun. So I'm I'm enjoying that, and I have been um I've been found out uh, by <laughs> listener Kiva Bay who did comic of Brie a week or two ago. Yeah, she did one of me this week too. She makes awesome oh, comics. So so she so found cool. out that I've not that I have not played Psychonauts yet. Um, I've never which, played it. Yeah. Well, so she has been bribing me with an avatar of me in a panda suit if I will play Psychonauts. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. So I am going to I'm going to make an effort to do that this weekend, um, assuming that the kids are done being sick and I can actually like have five minutes to myself. Kiva, why no love for me? That's all I want to know. I'm just asking. Well, we'll we'll get we'll have to get Georgia, you know, <laughs> beating up a hundred people or something like that. <laughs> Georgia is Princess Peach with a frying pan. Oh, right? don't. That's please what, that's don't my do vote. that. That's not even. <laughs> that's horrible. Uh, At least put the little crown on her. Oh, but she'd look geez. really cute in it. No. Yeah. <laughs> Pull it up a turnip. <laughs> You're just evil, Maddie. You're just evil. Oh, I love you. Why would you say that about me? <laughs> you know why. Um. So the only one piece of housekeeping this week is that I have my first published piece online this week. Uh, for Pixelkin, Aww. talking about how um, how uh, Child of Light is helping me let my daughter learn to make decisions on her own. Oh, I love that. What is? Can you send us the uh, link, please, on Twitter? So I'm really excited about that. So if you guys would go check that out, so that you know they get a lot of hits, so that they let me write for them again, that would be. It, it didn't be hit awesome. my Twitter time, no doubt. Uh, probably, yeah, it wasn't during George's Twitter time, probably. But um, so yeah, so that was the first time I've actually gotten something published. So I'm super excited. So congratulations, Steve. Pretty well, sweet. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's addicting seeing your name in ink. Yeah, now I get to learn the joy of invoicing, apparently. So, as always, you can find the show notes for the show and every show at 5x5.tv slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. You can uh, rate the review, rate and review the show on iTunes. Uh, that helps us out a ton. Um, you can send us feedback via email to feedback at isometricshow.com. And uh, you can follow all of us on Twitter. Uh, the show's account is at isometricshow. I am at Wicked Good. And Brie, where can people find you? Space Gecko. Oh. <laughs> uh, you can't do that to me. I'm afraid the Skype died. 
I can do anything. That's what my mom always told me. Uh, and, and Maddie, where can people find you? Um, I'm going to be playing a million video games at Samus Clone. And Georgia? You can find me at Georgia underscore Dow. So, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> so uh, thank you, as always, for listening. And we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Dow, crack